0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
1: And why not have, like, uh, school kids fighting each other with Pokemon-style creatures while you're doing so?
0: That's just your, like, opinion, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but did you know 2.3
3: so hey everybody welcome to episode 96 of the more just code podcast my name is tim etcher and i am in toronto ontario and i'm joined once again by aaron bay in Whitby, ontario hi there and we also have jaime lopez in seattle washington
0: how's it going and mark rubendown in san jose california hello all so it was wwdc this week it still is it's Wait, on right f- now we are not there i'm sure you guys have been watching the the sessions i take it Yes, um, I, I, I
3: know. Been. I've watched a few. Um, Mark and I were chatting the other night about a couple of ones that we were under underwhelmed with. Um, but have you guys seen anything that's been exciting?
0: What the hell? Can't wait to try it yet. Stuff. Yeah. Can Can we back up before we do that? Because sure. I think I think what we ought to do is is sort of have a ten thousand foot view of, of okay. the conference before okay. we get into detail. Because your question, your leading question, was really about. Tell me about little things that you thought of or saw or noticed, okay, right? Sure. And yep. and that's valuable. I think there's, I, I think actually, if if I if I do start with that that high up view, mm-hmm. um, that's actually what I'm left with are a bunch of little things that are really amazing and cool mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. iterative and evolutionary. Uh, there doesn't appear to be kind of any single product. Or service that was sort of launched here. Like, there's no, there's no one thing I can wrap my hands around and say this is the theme of WWDC 2016. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you guys get oh, that I, feeling? No, as
2: well? I, I think the theme of WWDC is extensions.
3: In many, in man, in many ways, there's yeah. a lot right. of, they,
2: they
1: added a whole bunch of new types for yeah, sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, interoperability with the iOS, with the OS. That's that's been introduced. Uh, much more so than ever before, uh, including the messages, the Siri stuff, the new notifications. It's all based around extensions, and of course, we've always had extensions, or at least have for a couple of years. But it's becoming much more prominent now, and and your app is is becoming less sandboxed in some mm-hmm. sense than it was before, less isolated, and more inter uh, interactive, interoperable, interoperable, whatever the word is, uh, with with the with the OS. So I think that's the theme.
0: Yeah, I guess. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> all those features are there. I, I, they, they don't strike me as a, as a large, single, unified theme, I guess. There, there's certainly extension points that have been added. Um, and I think the whole OS, all the OSs, are going to be very improved. But I don't know. Like, I, I did not get that feeling.
3: So if we were to take this, this idea that there's a theme, and there usually is every year, some, some sort of overarching theme, right? And usually it's related to the graphic in the original logo, you know, the, the monotype space uh, San Francisco font, I guess it is, right? There's nothing that sort of comes at you and sort of says, you know, this is, I mean, what is that, what is that logo about? What, as now that we've seen what the keynotes talked about in the State, of the State of the Union, what do you think
0: those, what do you think that represents? It's just code. <laughs> you know this is it's about code for coders and this is the theme and it looks great brian gillen by the way is releasing a screensaver mm-hmm. uh featuring the uh opening apple animation for the videos which is right. like a sort of montage of that code very sharp looking i can't wait to get that but beside the point um yeah i i, I think that the um the graphical styling of wwdc this year so focused as it is on code and on code looking things um that it does belie the idea of there being a large central theme you know this is about you know it's really um it might be the big coming out party for swift three you know Uh and swift Uh as as a programming language um it may be that the swift playground for for ipad may be one of the things that we look back on this year Mm-hmm. Um, as one of the big introductions, but I you know as Mark says, the extensibility—you know—we see extensibility adding, being added all over the place. I don't think it's going to stand out, you know, when we're looking back from three years away. Say, I, I'm not sure if we're going to do that or not. Swift playgrounds, though, maybe. And so that focus on code may may be the best thing we have in terms of why the graphical look of the conference is what it is. Right. Right. To me, like when I watched the keynote, I was most struck by the updates to watchOS, and if you remember from uh, last week's show when we were sort of looking ahead to this week, uh, I was really hoping for a rethink of watchOS, and that appears to have happened, uh, a rethink happened, but it, as usual for Apple, not in the way that I imagined it would be. I was really hoping that there would be sort of a step back from apps, uh, even now having repeated that it, it seems ludicrous to kind of posit that for a company that made its name on apps but there it is <laughs> uh apple has instead doubled down on apps and in watch os we have uh, a platform that uh, puts a greater focus on apps by taking away all the pain points that we suffered uh mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. them so essentially making them load faster it's really what it comes down to so um, and reassigning buttons and i think that they may have nailed it uh this the updates that we see here in the watch look super sharp. Like it's the it's the one thing, you know, amongst the platforms that we saw, um, watch iOS, Mac and TV. Um, that's the one platform that both needed it the most and got it the most. Um, so I was really impressed with that. But with Mac and iOS, I thought, well, you know, there's some there's some nice stuff in there. There's no question about that. But nothing is going to stand out that we're going to remember for a time to come.
3: You don't think that Siri, the Siri API is significant enough? Or?
0: Yeah. Well, by itself, um, when they said it, I was like, oh, great. That's that's really nice. Uh, but it came out that they are actually quite limited, the APIs. Uh, mm-hmm. They can only handle uh, particular, uh, what's the word they use? Domains, right? Uh, so they, they have in mind six domains, and I don't have them listed in front of me. But it was for things like uh, ordering a car. Right. Um, Right, so I have them here. So it's messaging, yeah.
1: voiceover IP, payments, ride booking, workouts, and photo search.
0: There you go. Oh, I see. Right. And so if, you, if your app, you know, and as a developer, if you're thinking to yourself, hey, you know, I've got this wonderful idea for using Siri with my app. Well, if Apple hasn't thought of that, you're out, you're out of luck. Right, okay. You know, and so to me, that's, okay, great start, but I, I'm worried now. Uh, Given the way that they've introduced this, that it's going to be a very long, slow-dragging addition of features going forward, just like with Siri itself. When Siri was introduced four years ago, five years ago now, and it was... Uh, you know, certain domains of knowledge that were available. And then a year later, we added another domain of knowledge. And then a year later, we added another domain of knowledge, or, you know, like sports, or now you can ask it about movies. Uh, now you can ask about actors in movies, uh, those sorts of things. So uh, it may be the same thing, you know, like today it's ride sharing and, and asking about music and stuff. And next year, they're going to add something else, one other domain. And that's that's going to suck because... You know again, it's gonna leave whole classes of apps out uh so i I think for now uh if you're a developer and you have such an idea um rather than shelve it right away, uh write a radar <laughs> and uh hopefully uh enough people will do that that Apple will give you those things next year
3: so why don't we do this why don't we why don't we go through sort of the highlights of what was in the keynote in the state of the union and and talk about them okay so how I many you have them listed out there or no yeah so they
1: they talked about four main areas, right? It was watchOS, tvOS, macOS, and iOS, right? And and for folks who may be relatively first-time listeners or relatively new to the Apple ecosystem, uh, we might jump back and forth, but you, if you kind of want to know what's going on in an overall level um, as a user and, and a little bit as a developer, you listen to the keynote, uh, if you're looking to like try to figure out how to spend your time. And then if you really want to know from the developer standpoint, how am I going to pick and choose these, you know, these hour long sessions? And there's, you know, maybe a hundred of them. Uh, there's only so much time here today, right? Uh, the platform state of the union is the one that gives you the overview of what is new from a developer standpoint. So uh, starting up from, from watchOS bit uh, coming back, um, the, the ability to have... Apple Pay in apps, I thought was was actually quite nice, and you're sort of reclaiming that side button where you can you know, double tap that for Apple Pay, and then of course they've also enabled that for the dock mechanism that we talked about. They've done away with glances, so it's a little unfortunate that you get to rewrite your your know, <laughs> watch app. You know, yeah, right. this is now the second rewrite that you will have to do in order to to be useful. But they did give us some nice things, right? They give us the uh, access to the gyroscope sprite kit and scene kit so much more animation expressivity there official access to the crown so uh i I know we talked about some app somewhere i think it was pong that did like you know like an invisible list of you or something to to fake getting the events now they said okay look you actually have access to the events um access to cloud kit and uh gesture recognition from a developer standpoint and there were other nice things like uh Finally, a reminders app for, for users, uh, control center, which is kind of like control center you would expect to see from iOS. What else? Oh, the medical emergency thing. So way, way back when we talked about, you know, opportunities for, you know, using, yeah, yeah, well health kit. Yes. But, but like, um, monitoring for people who sort of need that monitoring, right. We were thinking of like the elderly, for example, and having the Apple watch be a, a mechanism by which they can have more, uh, not only like. Sort of self-esteem because they're not carrying around like, hey, here's my my dog tag sort of thing. This is actually something I <laughs> can customize, and it does so much more than just keep track. And if I, you know, if I have fallen and can't get up, uh, no, no pun intended there, but maybe a little bit. Um, they actually have something they wear all the time, and they want to wear all the time that they can go get access to, right? And it sends out an emergency alert after um, contacting nine one one or emergency
0: services in your area. It's fantastic. That's such a great feature. And I read somewhere, too, um, how how great this is for women who are concerned about their own safety when they're out alone at night, that there's a lot of comfort for, to be had with this kind of feature.
1: Um, and as far as peeking ahead of things, the fact that they added CloudKit to watchOS really makes me think that a uh, standalone watch is not that far away. Um, oh, really? No guarantees mm-hmm. it'll be this year, but maybe, maybe next year, right? You, if you... If you have CloudKit access instead of, you know, just making the um, the phone do it on your behalf, then it kind of seems like an LTE-based watch is in the future somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's baseless speculation, but it seems like not unreasonable one.
0: Yeah, there was something they mentioned that uh, already existed. I didn't realize this, though, is that if um, if you, your phone uh, joins a known Wi-Fi network, uh, your watch also has the same information yes right and so yep. if the phone goes dark your watch still can be online if it's on that known network
3: yeah that was that was mentioned i think um last year I we talked about it once or twice on the show too yeah that was it's okay. kind of a, a non-obvious
1: thing because it sort of just seamlessly works but yeah. in my own house i've been uh easily outside of the range with all of like you know from one side of the house to the, to the other from my phone to me and with all the metal in between and all these other bits i was like there's no way i should be able to get this activities oh um, I must be connected to Wi Fi then
0: uh-huh. yeah and there's no indicator on the watch at all right no 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 no, no, no correct no. yeah uh, so that's there's great there's actually. an app
3: idea for somebody
0: yeah there's <laughs> a lot of great like just the nips and tucks in the OS just to make it smoother and more natural and faster um, and I think a lot of developers are going to be very excited about the whole backgrounding capabilities that are being offered now as part of the SDK. So right. that you can you can keep your app up to date even when you're not running. Um uh you know, I had an idea for like a, a running timer app that mm-hmm. I tried to write for the watch, but I just kept running into roadblocks because of the limitations of the API. Um and so I could actually probably do that app now, uh given what's available in Watch OS three. But I'm sure someone else has gone ahead and done that by now. <laughs> <laughs> Still though, it's uh there's a lot more capabilities and so it's making it a much more interesting platform
3: yeah and i think adding scene kit and sprite kit and i think there's real video in there now right is that yeah correct? yeah yeah that's right. mm-hmm. Inline something video, we right. asked for yeah we asked for that from the very beginning and 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 obviously the speed enhancements i mean i I haven't had a chance to try it out i know a few people who have but uh i haven't heard back from them what their what their impressions were with the with the betas that are out right now right
0: yeah is it like how do you upgrade to the beta on your watch do you have to do your phone as well
3: yeah I think so and and okay. what's what's I actually i actually updated my ipad uh, I'll talk about that when I do my pick but um the um it, it's it's actually very nice you just download a configuration profile from from the developer site and then your device will update and i assume that's a similar kind of thing for the the watch as well um like' cause the watch uh yeah you need you need to have your device your phone needs to be at the same same level i think i Last time I think when when Watch Two came out, what is that what we're on right now? OS Two or Watch OS? Yes. Um, yeah. When I did when I tried to do that before, I remember it, it told me I had to have my phone at a certain level before it would let me update the watch. So
0: right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they yeah. work so closely together. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Just uh, there's no way I'm upgrading my my yeah. main phone to no. iOS 10. As you know much I mean? as I would love to have Watch OS three,
3: <laughs> well, it's also it also for me it's because of uh, compatibility with my existing apps. Just because they're still in process, I don't really want to mess around with them. If I had a spare phone, I'd, I certainly would give it a shot. Right, so. right.
0: This is actually the time of year a lot of a lot of developers run out and buy iPod touches, right? Um, but uh, maybe now they're running out and getting iPhone SEs. I don't know. <laughs> hmm. um, you know, that's a much less expensive device that you can. You know, it's brand new. And um, you can buy it unlocked for, what, 450 Is that what it is? It's worth uh, peeking a little bit into the future, but we're going to see
1: a a world where there is no 3.5-inch screen. It's In a world. September 2017. Uh, wow. Because the, the base models for iOS, uh, just peeking a little ahead, is the iPhone 5, iPad 4th Gen, iPad Mini 2, and the iPod Touch 6th Gen.
0: Mm-hmm. Crazy. Even the fifth generation iPad is gone. Yeah, that is great. Um, yeah, so that means the three and a half inch devices are history, which is wonderful. Good riddance. And it's um in Canadian dollars, it's five seventy nine. I believe mm. that's four ninety nine US. If I had to guess. You could go to the US site, but that's- I guess I could. You know, let's just change right. the URL and it loads right up, and it is three ninety nine. Hmm
3: wow Barking at half the price
0: yeah 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 that's so only hundred dollars more than an ipods used to be i know that's it's, it is a 16 gig version but again as a developer boy, if, if i'm in the states and i'm living in usd um 399 seems pretty attractive for a very powerful developer device mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right Man, so though, the, were there the other US platforms dollar.
3: that they talked about Jaime?
1: indeed there were um <laughs> TBOS is uh, the next one they talked about uh quite a bit for users right so they talked about uh, bringing sling tv um, a new remote app uh, siri is able to search by topic um single sign-on i think is huge because there were uh, bits that came out from facebook and twitter and maybe a few, handful of others trying to solve the it's really difficult to type in a password somewhere um mm-hmm. problem on the, the tv so that's that's great uh dark mode um loading apps from your phone uh that would then go to your your t v as well if there's a uh, compatibility um they added uh cloud kit which i think is new to the to t v os um multi peer connectivity is no, uh, is
0: no 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 cloud kit's not new on t v yeah it was really so did, did they yeah. okay
1: okay so i'm my mistake so they must have been talking about um my notes aren't very good on this one but they must have been talking about updates to to cloud kit
0: yeah, there's uh, the new sharing capability inside CloudKit. Maybe that, I don't know. Um, I don't remember either. But right. uh, yeah, Magpie uses CloudKit and it was there on day one.
1: Oh, right, right. That's how I know. <laughs> <laughs> Near and dear to your heart. Um, Quite. Uh, multi-gear well, connectivity uh, <laughs> support for four controllers and the one that I had asked for, which is requiring controllers for certain games.
0: So yeah, If you really awesome. wanted
1: to make a Mario or you really wanted to make you know, Uncharted 4 or something and not have to hurt yourself making it fit into the Siri remote. That's great. Um, I didn't
0: have any other notes for, for TVOS. Did you guys pick up anything else that I might have missed? Well, in terms of what... I don't think you missed much there, Jaime, but it was interesting to me to note how Apple is viewing uh, the future of television, as it were. And they really are making a direct connection between apps and channels. So channels are being su- supplanted apps uh and so when you look at apple's ideal apple tv setup what you have is all the regular channels that people know from cable tv and they are all icons on the home screen of the apple tv did that make sense did i say that right did i misspeak i'm trying to remember if i if i miss spoke channel and apple tv since you guys are all not saying anything i'm gonna go with yes i was perfect mm-hmm okay um, and so they've, they've further integrated that. like So not only with the single sign-on that you mentioned, which feels like a US-only problem uh, and thing. I don't know, though, because um, I haven't had cable in years. Uh, but the other thing is is Siri integration with some of these things. I'm not sure if this is something that the channel apps have to do themselves or if this is automatic. But you can say, you know, Siri, uh, go to Stars and watch live. And it opens up the app and goes instantly to the streaming what's live right now video right the
3: other thing with the had of the product is in keeping with sort of what Jaime was talking about as a controller there's a new remote app coming out as well that let you use a phone as a remote if I'm mis- like you know so you can have two players as as well as you know control the functions and, and enter in uh, passwords and things like that as, as well which is we talked about on the show being a challenge on the t- Apple TV right Yes.
1: And I think they mentioned that the controller mode for the remote app was going to give you like the simple profile, which is, which is pretty sensible.
3: Yeah. And it'll be too late for people listening to the show, but, um i'm actually using the app the wwdc app on the apple tv to watch the uh the
0: the video. that is so good yeah, yeah. it's you know and that's not too late because that that, that app will continue will be useful for forever course, yeah. yes yeah. yeah you can watch the sessions uh as, as they're saved to the thing but uh the live viewing experience is so excellent mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is so excellent it's got the four uh speaking rooms lined up the schedule is is there you can um Preview the, the video as it's streaming in, and go back and look at the other sessions if you feel like yeah. stepping out of the room and going into another. Yeah. Um, and of course with the archive as well. Uh, so it's it's so good. They did a mm-hmm. great job on that app. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: I even like the fact that, uh, especially like the fact that that uh, past talks in the you know in the past it was well there was no live streaming in the past, but you you typically had to wait twenty four hours to see yeah at the least, talks. Yeah. Yep. Now within an hour or two the previous talks are available in the archive, Mm
3: -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh,
2: which is great because there are always times when there's a talk, there's no talk live that you really, that you really, really want to see. And there are other times when there's two at the same time that you want to watch. And, and so, so now you can, you know, mix and match and, and, uh, and, and try to balance your day a little better. So I think it's great.
0: Every year is better than last in this regard. They are pushing hard every year. To mm-hmm. make it uh, more relevant to people watching from home,
3: mm-hmm.
0: so hats off to them—they were doing an amazing job at that. Do you want to go into the Mac now?
3: Well, just to sum up on some of—I've got some of the points here about the Apple TV HomeKit multi peer connectivity, photos, replay kit is something you know that may excite some people, not me, and notifications apparently too—some user notifications. Did you see that on TVOS?
1: Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. I didn't see that about notifications. I saw about uh, app badging. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming you can you can see that there's oh, you know, maybe that's three is, things. Yeah. Is, is that what they're talking about? Because I haven't maybe, seen maybe, the yeah, detailed yeah. session. Okay. okay, got
2: it. No, they did say something about a notification scheme on, on tvOS that it's not the standard uh, push notifications that you get everywhere uh, else. Uh, yeah. And, in fact, it's not part of the new unified notification system at all. But I do remember hearing something about that. I don't have any more details on that, though. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So I might have missed the detail there. What's the unified notification system?
2: Oh, so the unified notification system is, at least on iOS, uh, it's it's unifying remote notifications and local notifications into one common system oh,
3: right. mm-hmm.
2: uh, and integrating it with a new extension, uh, notification extension, to improve how it looks when it comes in. You can customize how it looks. Oh, but I think okay, that's, cool. that's mainly an iOS thing. So we're jumping ahead a little bit when we talk about that.
3: Right, okay. So where are we going to go next?
1: Sounds like the next thing is the next thing in the keynote, which was macOS Sierra. So notably okay. not macOS 10. Um, and it's a lowercase m, a, c, capital O, capital S, you know, all concatenate together. Uh, and then Sierra, just kind of the way you would expect it to be capitalized. So Sierra being a, uh, what is it a? Mountain or mountain range? range or of it's a yeah. range of mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah that uh, it that actually goes like to
2: uh, Seattle, I think, doesn't it? Doesn't it go that far and into Canada? Part of the Rockies, you mean? No, no, it's not part of the Rockies. It's a separate range from the Rockies. It's mm. the one. It's the one that is local to here. Pretty it's local. It's the Sierra
3: Madres, isn't it?
2: Sierra Nevada's. Yeah, Sierra Nevada's. Nevada's. Yeah, Nevada's. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's uh, it's probably about two hundred miles in. I guess, oh, sort yeah, of, in from yeah, the yeah. coast. Yeah. So yeah. it's where like Tahoe is, and and uh, it's. It's what separates California from the Nevada, the high Nevada desert there. But I think it goes f- uh, fairly far north.
3: Hmm. I don't know. Okay. So that's enough geography, honey.
1: <laughs> right. So some features for, for users are, uh, Tim, you should love this one auto unlock with the watch. Yes. Oh yeah. So they, they lock the whole class before. of apps that, uh, yeah. that Tim was struggling with.
3: Mm hmm. Well, the Mac, Mac ID still works the best so far. And, uh, oh, I think it's going to get knocked off. It's, yeah, kinda, it, it's amazingly. I, I, I was making note of a lot of technologies, a lot of apps out there that have been Sherlocked by the latest bunch of updates. But yeah, that's definitely one. I'm going to love that one because
1: when it gets cold and I walk into the office for the first time, I just struggle to type in my password. Like, oh, yeah. I know what it is, but my fingers are just not warmed up enough to catch up. So uh, that, that'll be great. Um, universal clipboard. So you can yes. copy something um, on one device. It doesn't really matter what sort of device it is, and it will be available on the others. I think that's hmm. great because I've taken to using you know, emailing myself or yeah. airdropping yeah. or yeah. some yeah. other like clunky mechanism of doing that.
2: Yeah. So, Tim, you and I were just talking about this the other night, that we, we were using messages on the phone mm-hmm. and on the Mac. And yeah. really the only reason for doing that was that, Say you have an image on your phone, at least in the case when we were doing it, you have an image on your phone that you want to send, but you're having the conversation on your Mac. Well, you have to, the easiest way is to just go over to your phone and send one text from the phone with the image right. in it, like right. a screenshot or something like that. Uh, but the problem with that is it shows up in messages as two different conversations and it can be confusing. Mm-hmm. So, so this just solves that completely. You just copy the, the image and paste it in on, on the other device and done.
3: Actually, what we were doing was I, just, I had updated my my iPad to 10, and I was messaging Mark. We were talking about other things. So I was trying to send him the the new three-time size emojis and, and some scribble text that I had done just to see what, uh, what it would do. And, and the from if you go from a 10-beta device to another 10-beta device, it does work. But if you go to an iOS, iOS 9, then things appear as they normally do. In other words, the scribbles don't work at all. They, do, they don't even show up. Mm-hmm. As you would expect. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, come on. We thought ma- Apple was magic, you know. Like, no, they're not dust. magic. Fairy dust.
0: Not even a little bit. Yeah. More, uh, more excitement from uh, OS 10. Sorry, Mac yes, OS. Mac OS. Uh, Jaime, do you have others that you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, uh, Apple Pay on the web is one that I think we talked about being mm-hmm. a real strong possibility, and now it's a reality. And it's, it seems like it's going to be fantastic that you can just use Touch ID on the phone or the right, watch yeah, with that. Yeah. And there's already um, vendors that have integrated things like Stripe has made that available for their their payment processor product. And I think it's gonna be huge because we talked about the fact that the closest thing you have to this is, you know, like PayPal is your single sign-off payment provider. And, and now I've got something that's even simpler than that. I don't even have to log into PayPal. Something poking to the developer side was that now apps can include iCloud capability even though they're not distributed via the Mac App Store, that's true. Yeah. So I think that'll that'll be uh, nice. iCloud Drive was something that you mentioned with uh, additions, sort of like having your desktop files being everywhere. Uh, some other bits that I think went more into the um, Apple file system bits that we might talk about later, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, keeping old files in the cloud uh, instead of you know locally taking up space and uh, some sort of D two kind of thing where they can get rid of files that you're never going to need again, or that are strict copies of something else. Like you, you copied a zip file f- into like three different places. There's sure. going to be only the, the one memory or sorry, the one storage hit for having one of those. It's yeah. And they were saying that the
3: rest. one of my pet peeves about iOS 10 right now is sorry, but was oh, 10 right now is that um, the amount of space that it takes up on my disk, especially developer tools, you know? So uh, if there's a way to, to, I think I think they talked during the keynote actually that they they were able to reduce quite a bit of space by employing this new file system, right?
1: Yeah, they, and they specifically called out things like those, uh, you know, iOS related profiles that you would have that would get automatically cleaned up as part of a, like almost like a, a disk cleanup kind of utility.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm right. worried a little bit about the yeah. deleting of of redundant files. I and mean, look at look at all the controversy that happened with with Apple Music when they were doing yeah. that. And if they're doing that with real data files that are potentially work related, that could be pretty, pretty uh, deadly for PR reasons and, and for users actually.
0: Uh Yeah. And don't forget, I mean, you need to use iCloud drive to store this stuff and that's, that's a paid service, right? You get five gigs for free, which is nothing, you know? And so you need to pay to get any kind of real amount of storage and Most people aren't going to have very much storage to park these files in the cloud. Um, I installed the uh, preview uh, today Mm -hmm. on my Mac in a virtual machine just so I could uh, have a look at it. And one thing that really struck me, um, this feature that we're talking about right now is going to have a larger impact than they're making it out to be, I think, right now. Um, At least if if things stay as they are right now. Uh, If you go to the Finder in, in macOS Sierra... And go to your home folder, which is what I always set as my sort of base level. Like this is where I start because all my files are sort of branching off from this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, for 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 the last few releases, actually, Apple has sort of tried to de-emphasize the home folder. Uh, they've they've put this all your files thing <laughs> in. Hate I hate that. all your files. It's the first thing out when yep. I start up a new Mac. Me too. But yeah, it's 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 crap. But. Um, that's where they're going, and now if you look at the home folder, you can see an, this this ongoing uh, de-emphasis to the home folder because now with this cloud service, there's all kinds of folders that are part that that you know and love from your home folder that are gone now. Really? Um, yeah, documents folder's gone. Um, wow. Yeah, movie, music, pictures. I think those are gone uh, wow. because all that stuff's in the cloud now. According to Apple, oh um, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a, a, just to
3: sort of interrupt you, but this is one of the things that always worried me about. Is like first of all, like you, the point you made about having to pay for storage in the cloud, and then also the bandwidth usage that we're going to be yeah for paying sure through the
0: nose for, right? That's right. I'm. I mean, I I make it my life purpose to use or get as much bandwidth as possible and as high speed as possible. Mm-hmm. But I'm an exceptional case. You know, yeah, yeah. most people are going to find these, uh, as bottlenecks, you know, yeah. um, especially on a Mac where you've got like a, a great deal of, of storage, you know, you're talking about, uh, people with half terabyte drives and, and larger, mm-hmm. and those files are going to get moved back and forth between the cloud and your Mac. Um, I, I wonder how things are going to play out with that might be a little early on this feature. Um, and you know, there's always going to be these issues around um what happens when you run out of space on iCloud you're going to get these messages right like Mm -hmm. just like we saw um when cloud photos was a thing you know another large file storage system that Apple made and because it was photos in the cloud a lot of people and I remember this with my mom uh with her iPhone it's like you know just store all your photos on the phone (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that doesn't work for too long right Right. like you've got to move to something and so when you move to cloud photos, uh, you very quickly find yourself bumping up against that 5 gig limit. And now you're getting messages from Apple saying, hey, do you want to upgrade for $2 a month and get whatever the next tier is? 100 gigs or something like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and the tiers are constructed in such a way. Oh, it drives me crazy. One, I think it's 100 gig, 250 gigs, and then a terabyte. So if you have 270 gigs, as I do, uh-huh. you have to have a terabyte. <laughs> what does that terabyte cost you per month? I think it's like fifteen dollars. Oh. Yeah. It's expensive. And and note that Apple made no just adjustments to that this year. There is no change in uh cloud storage pricing. But the, the good thing is that there's competition
1: in this space like uh Dropbox has their project infinite sorry, project infinite that um, is trying to uh, attack this in a very similar fashion, right? Where it has like, oh, you have some shallow metadata-only copy of this, and when you need it, it pulls it down as need be. So that has the same storage and uh, bandwidth considerations and and pricing that goes with that, that uh, hopefully as a whole ecosystem of of technology will force uh, these prices to come down and become much more economical. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I hope so, but it, it's just peculiar to me because we've been seeing that happening continuously over the last couple of years, right? Yeah. And and last year Apple did respond to that that pricing pressure, uh, but this year they didn't, and that is very noteworthy, I think.
3: But was that in response to Google? Google added their Google Photo, and then of course the drop, like Jaime mean, was saying, that like I think I have a terabyte of storage with Dropbox, but it's a an annual fee or something
0: like that, right? That's right, and uh, but you, no, it's not just Dropbox and Google; it's Microsoft too. Uh, right. They're in Azure, this game, right? Azure, yes, and uh, you can you can buy very economical storage from them. Uh, actually, as part of the Office three sixty five plan, mm-hmm. uh, you can pay seven bucks a month, and you get a free terabyte included in that.
3: Uh, yeah, seven, bucks their, a, $7 a month also includes Excel and Word and all that kind of stuff. That's too? right. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Oh. Office. Yeah. For Mac uh, oh. and for the iPad. Right. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's actually a really good deal. Hmm. Um, yeah, take a look.
3: Maybe, maybe time to upgrade. I'm <laughs> still rocking 2011 or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're okay with the subscription pricing and I think well. we're all going to have to train ourselves, um, <laughs> then, uh, it's definitely something to look into. Hmm. Uh, the one thing we didn't talk about with the Mac uh, oh, Mark. Sorry, did you have something you wanted to yes, say? Yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes, I just was going to say that one thing that we didn't mention about TVOS is that it now has full support for iCloud Photos.
0: Mm, which wonderful, is, yeah. which
2: is a new yeah. big thing.
1: Mm, yeah. Okay. yeah, definitely makes sense with some of the things they showed uh, for iOS that presumably show up on, on macOS as well. So that's that's good to hear.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great that they're um, they're offering support for new features uh, on all platforms, right? So that's super important. Um, but of course, you know, iOS is still the the leader in this, but uh, hopefully not for everything and forever. <laughs> um, the one thing we didn't talk about with the macOS uh, was Siri, of course. And uh, I think uh, if you go to Mac, Apple's page uh, with their Sierra preview on their website, um, for all their platforms, actually, uh, every, every one of them has a gorgeous web page uh, as the way only Apple can showing uh, the features that are really important uh, with all their four platforms. Uh, And I can't even believe I'm saying that, you know, five years ago, Aaron would have been like, are you nuts? (laughs) But anyway, um, they've got beautiful uh, feature pages for all their platforms now. And if you look at the Mac OS one, it is all about Siri for like the first two thirds of the page, Mm. uh, different things that you can do with it. So they're really focused on Siri on the Mac. And it remains to be seen, I think, um, how useful it's going to be. Uh, And again, you know, like we've talked about this before, one of the things they feature about it is, you know, while Siri can handle files and folders and searching and things like that, which is great, um, it also has, you know, one of the examples they have is around uh, looking for and making reservations at restaurants, Mm -hmm. you know, because, again, you know, these very limited, um, this vendor provides a, a relationship with this particular app provider open table in this case and so if you want to make a reservation then it you you better hope it's in open table (laughs) um and that limitation right right (laughs) we were really hoping for something more from siri i think it's great that there's an api in ios i get that uh it's great that it's been added to the mac uh but the capabilities of siri itself uh still have have there's more to be done obviously
3: well i think that may also be that that they they need to shake things down a bit too right because you know who knows what kind of load that's going to put on on Siri as it is, right? Because I mean, Siri on the watch is kind of as it is today. Is uh, uh, you know, you nine times out of ten, you say something and it says, "Oh, why don't you search the web for that kind of thing?" You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but let's let's move on because I, I know there's other than the four pillars, there's also the the tooling that we want to talk about as well, right? So we haven't talked about iOS and. Well, that's what I'm saying um, that's the fourth pillar, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we can probably breeze through some of those, and, and you guys can stop wherever you want. So they they broke iOS ten down into ten different categories. Mm-hmm. So there was like the uh, the lock screen bits with like raised to wake and uh, richer widgets and everything. Uh, Siri, of course, we talked about the um, the API for that uh, that is right now limited to only you know six classes of apps, but it uses um, an intense API that is very similar to what the Echo use uh uses so i I wouldn't be surprised if
0: they expand that in uh future um you know iterations i could have sworn that uh craig said intense api i couldn't intense api man (laughs) i couldn't tell exactly what he said like i knew the intention
1: behind what he was saying um you know as a semi pun but i can't
0: i couldn't honestly tell you which one he said i'm sure he said intense as 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 it was supposed to be It's just, the I I just misheard it because it's such a similar sounding word. Great. There's also uh, quick type, which can, you know,
1: give you things like quick access to sharing your location or contact info, uh, intelligent scheduling. Like, hey, you're obviously in this conversation we're talking about. Maybe we should get lunch on Thursday at 3 p.m. Um, The fourth bit was photos, which uh, keys into the the first hint related to uh, differential privacy right sort of their their answer towards how can we do things that are machine learning based um, like google and amazon and microsoft and facebook too but yet maintain your privacy Uh, we can talk about that a little bit later but they talked about doing uh, face recognition and object and scene recognition locally and creating things like memories like oh look this is the time we went to the bahamas or this is you know grandma's birthday sort of thing uh, the fifth bit was Maps, which gets a a new UI design that's a bit more user friendly. They added um, the ability to do extensions for the maps, so that's uh, that's great. Um, what else? Uh, number six, what they talked about Apple Music, which um, you know they talked a bit about the the UI design that's different for the app. Uh, the fact that it adds lyrics, which I think everybody wants, because I. <laughs> Always look those up on the web myself when I'm looking for for something. Uh, this is also the the as a side note the debut of uh, Bozema St. John, the uh, head of marketing for Apple Music. That uh, God,
0: she was phenomenal. Sort of, sort of no, changed the room and became a
1: phenomenon uh, in and of herself on the web. Um, moving on to number seven was uh, a revamped Apple News that has uh, breaking news notifications, which I think would make me think, look at it uh, a little more closely because I've been using um, the Quartz app for that uh, that capability at the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. number eight is HomeKit. So it's a, uh, it, you know, an app that you can install and use that as the the hub to control all of your, your HomeKit based devices and, and set sort of things like, you know, this is my go to sleep profile. This is, uh, an opportunity to say, Hey Siri, good morning. And, oh, oh, sorry about that one. <laughs> Ahoy telephone. Uh, good morning. Um, you know, and, and have it turn on all the lights and, and everything. Uh, also using, um, you know, the watch and Apple TV as part of that, uh, that connected device experience. Uh, number f- nine was uh, phone. Look at that. The iPhone uh, gets uh, phone bits like voicemail transcription, which I'm definitely going to use because it's not always possible to, uh, to listen to uh, voicemails of people leave, uh, leave um, the extension API for caller ID. Like, Oh, uh, this is potentially a spam sort of thing. Uh, I don't know who the heck is calling me and I'm screening my calls. Uh, the voice over IP API from apps. So I'm uh, a big user of, third-party bits like facebook messenger and kakao talk and other apps that it kind of sucks to get the notification launch the app and then accept the call instead this shows right on your lock screen and it looks more or less like as if somebody was just calling you normally uh, for your iphone and then number 10 was uh, all about the messages app right so they um the Snapchatification or Facebook Messengerification or WeChatification <laughs> of, of, of that. we turning... Uh, uh, general NIMA's Sherlocking, system. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they turned it into a whole platform, right? So they added, again, more extensions um, yeah, like, you know, looking at animated GIFs or uh, the sticker packs that, uh, as an aside, apparently require no coding. There's a whole template right in Xcode to do that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
1: uh, integrating bits like, you know, payments with Square Cash so, so not quite the um, seamless Apple Pay, person-to-person Venmo, and Square PayPal kind of killer, but it's a hop, skip, and a jump away, I think, from from that. Yeah. So those uh, those were the, the 10 bits that I, I wrote down. I also have some miscellaneous notes about uh, notes collaboration. So uh, oh, Evernote, yeah, yeah. Evernote is kind of
0: uh, probably looking a glance at that. Um, <laughs> or Google Docs, for that matter. I mean, we could be using that for our show notes. Right, right. Uh, new, um,
1: uh, live photos editing. So this is why I only had one pick last week because I knew that, uh, WWDC might destroy my picks. So I didn't invest too much in that. Um, and the, the killer feature, which is split view in Safari on iPad. So I've downloaded apps before that were really just containers for browsers, just so I could have two dang browser sessions right. side yeah, by yeah, side. Yeah. So this great yeah. to like not have to do that
0: anymore. Yeah. Sadly, that was one of the very, very few mentions of iPad in this whole keynote, and that was unfortunate, too. Mm. That was one of my wishes from last week, again, was that they would do more to make the iPad a computer-class computer, and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, that has clearly not happened, aside from, you know, double safaris. (laughs) Double safaris all the way! Mm -hmm. And Swift
2: Playgrounds.
3: Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, okay. sorry. Sorry. Well, yeah. We can. Sp-
0: <laughs> Everybody knows about that. Yeah. Actually, that that was big. That was big. I guess in terms of, uh, you know, number of minutes given to the iPad, it was much much lower than I was hoping for.
3: Yeah, that's
0: true. Uh, you can definitely see and continue to see that iPhone remains uh, Apple's number one concern.
2: Well, mm. when this when there's four OS platforms now. And you have two different hardware configurations, meaning the iPhone and the iPad, all within iOS. There's just not that much time for everything.
3: That's true. Yeah, and I, not much I'm developer feeling, time. I'm feeling
2: yeah. that is overall a theme of, of the conferences, is that there's there's so many different things that there's there hasn't been as much uh, digging deeply into things as there has been in the past. For example, when exactly. iOS was the main focus... Then there would be, you know, obviously half the sessions would be, or more than half the sessions would be on iOS, and there'd be really, really a lot of detail and digging deeply into a lot of different topics. But, but so far I'm seeing there's more because there's you know four different what's news and 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 uh, and any new technology there has to be a session on that for each platform. There's just not as much uh, depth as there. That's just my yeah. No, that's exactly
0: it. right. I feel like that's what I was, the point I was trying to make at the top here is that there, there is a lot of, um, there's breadth, but no depth. Um, the the changes, the changes are, are shallow, um, but broad. And, um, there's, there's not a lot that, you know, if it's, if it's shallow, it's not going to stick. And so that's why I feel like years from now, we're not going to look back on this as, wow, this was such a huge release. Yeah. You remember when they released the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's not going to happen yet. You know, like multitasking. That was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just the first thing. Copy and paste. Uh, that was huge. <laughs> yeah, you know, seriously, that was a thing. I <laughs> know, oh, don't get me started <laughs> on you know? copy and but paste. But we're, we're never going to think about invisible ink, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we might think of, you know, and stickers, that's a fad. That Like, oh, it, it's yeah. just got fad all yeah, over it. Stickers, um, we're,
2: we're going to see 100,000 sticker apps. Yeah, one day it's going to be stupid. It's going to be, be retarded.
0: Crazy. Well, and, what but, we might you know, maybe look back
2: on this and see is that this was the WWC where... Apple made it very clear that they're about multiple platforms now. They're not just a one or two trick pony. They're not just about iOS They're not just about Mac OS. They're trying to make it very clear that they are about other things and a wider range of products. And in a couple of years we'll have Car OS. Well, there's CarPlay, right? But we'll have the, the new cars uh that the, that they're gonna be making and, and that'll be a, a fifth one or and there might even be a sixth or seventh one by then. And so there's there's they're they're diversifying the product line of the company a bit, I guess, which is mm-hmm. what we've been asking them to do all along anyway. So I guess we can't really complain that they're actually doing that now.
3: But truly, I think everything to to, to the I think you mentioned this point that the one factor in, in all of this is the iPhone, and that seems to be that's the one leg that they seem to be standing on the most, if you will, or putting the most weight on, right?
0: Absolutely, because that's where they make well, the sure. most money. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, yeah. E- even though, even though. You might argue that that the growth is, is decreasing for iPhone.
0: Sure. It is
2: by far still the dominant product for the company, so yeah. it would be crazy to not put the most emphasis on that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what now that i'm sitting here thinking about it the one thing that i think we may actually take away from this wwdc is the news we got last week before wdc even la- happened right yeah. subscription pricing for apps i mean this is the year that happened well, i and... don't know
2: did you did you listen to the talk or watch that talk on that today no it, no i
0: missed it, it. yeah it wasn't actually the next it video. wasn't <laughs> as
2: big of a thing as i expected from the from the story last week It's still pretty much about apps that are subscription-style apps, like we've had in the past, although they're not limiting the categories that they can fit into now. But they kind of made it clear that this is for apps that require subscriptions. It's not for any old app. Oh, really? Yeah, that was my takeaway from the talk. Uh, it, It wasn't so much a... This is a way of of getting recurring revenue for for devs. This is a way of just making subscriptions a little bit more applicable to things that require Hmm. subscriptions.
0: Oh, boy. I tell you, because there's been a lot of mixed messaging around this from Apple. Um, You know, the things that Phil Schiller said uh, to John Gruber last week and the things that Apple has been publishing on its site and, according to you, what they're saying in that session, those things are at odds right now and uh, there needs to be a lot more clarity well watch so the session and see what you think I, yeah that's actually it was literally the next session i've got queued up on my ipad right now um so next time i get a chance to watch one it's going to be that one um but let me ask you this mark is um last week we speculated that the in-app purchase or the subscription implementation would be done in the itunes connect is is that yeah. true Oh, and
2: that's absolutely true they spent a lot of time oh, okay. talking about that uh, in the, in the presentation. In fact, that was most of the presentation talking about
0: that. Okay. So uh, it's not, it's not something that I have to program in with store kit. No, no. See, that, that is a huge difference to me. It makes me think that, uh, that, that it actually is for reels. Mm. Okay. Well, I'll watch that. Why, why is that day. such a big thing for you? Well, it's a big thing because, um, it makes it a lot easier to create an application that is charged by subscription, right? And so, really, the only thing, and and to to back up further, uh, the subscription uh, pricing model in the in-app purchase mechanisms um, are tied to particular functionality inside the app, and so it requires a custom, you know, implementation, right, within the code of your application, whereas Uh, now with the current mechanism as as i'm understanding it right um any app according to what phil schiller said can use this pricing model Mm -hmm. and it's essentially automatic the app either works um as a paid subscription so like the user is paying yes or no um or it is literally a dead app in your home screen and Mm -hmm. That seems to be the case. And if that's true, then there, from, from the developer perspective, there's no barrier between choosing to be a subscription app versus a free app or a pay once app. Um, and, you know, it's entirely up to you. And you can switch between them, right? Theoretically. Why wouldn't you be able to? So, uh, is, is that true? I'm you not know. sure. Well, Again, i I've got to watch yeah, the
2: thing. I would watch the, the presentation before making any, any judgment.
0: But it seems to me that there's a fair amount of policy governing what is going to be possible or not. So, like, I could say, create, um, say, Magpie, uh, which does have a server component, um, and post it to the App Store for review and say, hey, look, I want to charge $3 a month for this. Mm -hmm. And Apple could say, no, we don't think that this is actually an appropriate app for subscriptions. So, uh, reject it. Right, and is, I believe is that, so, yes. I believe that's so. something that they talked about in the session? Well, they didn't talk about that specifically. Well, see, now that's interesting because that's like the most important thing. <laughs> the literally most important thing. Okay, I'll watch Yeah, I think session. we'll have
3: to dig into that one.
0: Yep. yep. So I yep. want to
3: talk about the, the if you can, uh, Xcode 8.
1: Yeah, yes. right. So they showed so, some real nice stuff at the uh, platform State of the Union, which is what I watched. Mm-hmm. I've not seen any uh, Xcode-related sessions yet.
3: Okay so out of that talk we got uh, the memory debugger what do you guys think of that
2: i think that's fantastic uh i'm really looking forward to using that so mm-hmm. in case anyone isn't isn't uh up to speed on what we're talking about there's a new feature in xcode where it will take all of your objects that you have in memory and create a graph of them and mm-hmm. show all the hierarchy who owns what uh and so it makes it very easy to see if you have multiple versions of an object showing up when you're not supposed to have them mm-hmm. it's easy to see leak, leaks because nothing is attached to it it's easy to see zombies uh, for the same reason it just it gives a very very visual representation of everything what's ha- that's happening in your in your memory in terms of your objects very similar to the way that you have the 3D view debugger where you can just kind of right. yeah. visually poke through and see what's going on I think this is going to be great
3: yeah, it's funny because the first thing I thought when when they showed the, the graphical connection, almost like you know, like a UML diagram, if you will, um, of how things are related through you know the lines connecting these boxes and things, is is how long is it going to be before we, before we can actually design apps that way, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, I think there's a lot of distance between here and there. Yeah, Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) I'm
3: just, just, that's sort of, you know, coming at it from someone who comes at it from a non-programmer background. That's kind of how...
0: But we sort of do have
2: that, right? We have storyboards.
3: Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, as things things move more towards that. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. But anyway, but you're right. As a a developer, again, coming at it from a non-developer background and growing into being a developer through through learning this stuff, you know, Aaron and I both took the same path. You know, it's one of the things, you know, if you create a loop of something and or you create an instance of something and you create it and you accidentally create more instances of it and, and you can't figure out why the one you want to update isn't updating, and then if you could go into a tool like this and actually see that you've got 27 view controllers loaded, you know, right. or 27 view objects or whatever, um, that would certainly help somebody visualize what's going on in the code, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I really like uh, some of the changes in storyboards, too, uh, around size classes and traits, yeah. um, trait collections, uh, being able to look at the storyboards on actual device sizes. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, the selector for that uh, is really handy looking and presumably something that Apple will update <laughs> along mm-hmm. with the simulators for same, I suppose, uh, as time goes on and as devices come and go. Uh, so that was really great What do you think
3: about infinite zoom?
0: love oh, it yeah. thank and, and, god i
3: mean when were they going to do
1: that there's a can, finally canvas operations at any zoom level um yes that's most been sorely needed uh, yeah. yeah especially for yeah. laptops where you you probably want to be zoomed out
0: um yeah yeah
2: yeah
0: yeah that's just yeah, trying
2: to develop a TVOS app on an 11 inch 11 inch uh, macbook yeah. was yeah. not fun <laughs> yeah
0: you sound like you're speaking from experience mark
2: uh yeah yeah Actually not on an eleven inch. Mine was on a fifteen inch and that was bad. So I I'm extrapolating to how bad it would be on an eleven inch.
3: Yeah, because it cause even on a fifteen the view is bigger than the than the screen, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh crazy.
0: Yeah, on a retina five K iMac, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And uh, uh another thing is is improvements in the in the real time rendering inside the storyboard. So it, it will now show things like uh the uh, the blur effects and and vibrancy effects and all that. It'll actually show that in the storyboard.
0: Mm. Yeah, lots of great little enhancements like that. And also, um, they did mention this. Uh, they called it right out performance. Uh, xco is just going to be faster. Yeah, well, which, uh, now, I'm pretty excited about.
2: I when I heard that, I immediately downloaded the beta and tried it. And I have to say, I have not personally seen that yet.
0: But yeah, agreed. Course, but we're only know, in C1, so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah yeah you know yeah. They, they they have all kinds of debugging symbols in those things in the early betas um in the yeah. os's and the software uh let it slide it'll come uh i i, I like to think that that's actually true
2: <laughs> i want to believe well i hope so i hope so yeah uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. uh what else uh nobody mentioned refactoring in swift right <laughs> um so the hot button that we keep pushing but uh there was no sign of that in particular i'm not sure Hmm.
1: Sure. But the, uh, maybe uh, if you're an enterprising developer, you could develop an Xcode app extension to do hmm. that thing, right? Because there's people who use the the secret, Alcatraz yeah. package manager and there's, you know, like so, uh, Swift source refactorator or something that's a plugin and it, it breaks every you know because yeah. of the way that those plugins work it breaks every 5 minutes when a new version of Xcode comes out and instead it's right. m- much more of first class citizen where you can do things like source editing which is the the first bit right so- <laughs> don't mean to interrupt you there
3: but no, no worries. To, i was reading today that that alcatraz uh type extensions aren't going to work with Xcode kit they call it right like isn't I know they they've rolled some like and people can re rewrite their their plugins to work with Xcode Kit but and I think uh, we talked earlier Jaime and I about um, was it VVM documenter VV is documenter now, right yeah, is, is now is part one of, these. of Xcode right
1: uh, not. Per se, so let's, let's let's address both of those. So you're right in that the the plugins won't from Alcatraz to it. You know, they're not going to just magically work. There will be yeah. somebody that has to port those over, and I really hope and encourage people to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as VV Documenter, that was a plugin that I've used because I've had to write um, you know API documentation that's consumed by by third parties, and uh, they showed something that works exactly like that, which is great. And there's like mm-hmm. some sort of keyboard shortcut or something that yeah. you... You do it and it just says, okay, great. Let me just fill out the boilerplate stuff. And you just type in the actual you know, knowledge mm-hmm. that's in your head. Mm-hmm. So that's great. I love
3: that.
0: Will this obviate Alcatraz?
3: That's what I thought it was say- It was, that's what I thought I heard today. Longer term, maybe if they allow
1: more types of, of plugins. Um, I, I think it obviates the need for things that are, um, source code editing based, right? Like, uh, have like like adding and deleting uh prefixes or what other ones or, I'm or seeing, images
3: but... colors things like that yeah
1: yeah 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 so it won't do everything that that some of those do but I'm, I'm hoping that they make it um that this is just the first step and there'll be more extension types in the future
0: mm-hmm. yeah tim i think it was you tim that put in this link to ross bishop's article yes yeah. xcode extensions where he kind of outlines the changes that have happened uh and the way he phrases it is really nice it's uh there is an official extension api but there's only one extension type right now and that's source editor extension um so yes as more types come along uh it will certainly probably take away things that were currently provided by alcatraz mm-hmm. and which i i don't use because i don't trust something like an alcatraz messing with my xcode mm-hmm. it's got enough problems as it is
3: yeah, we use we use uh, extensions right now because we were using the VV doc- documenter to help out, and we also use the uh, Clang extension to uh, standardize our code formatting throughout the whole uh, enterprise.
0: Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything else that you want to talk about in Xcode? Uh,
3: well, the source coordinating, we kind of just touched on really quickly there. Uh, yep.
0: Right. But also, so I
3: think um, the provisioning piece that they're changing yes. is huge. Yes. Yeah, huge. Is huge. Huge. Yes. Mark, you saw the the talk on that and you were telling me a bit I did. about it. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, actually I put that in the notes too. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they've they've pretty much uh, revamped the way developer certificates work uh, and provisioning uh, in Xcode. So previously there was a restriction that your developer account could only have one developer certificate mm-hmm. associated with it. Right. So if you had multiple machines, then you always had this message popping up that says you already have a developer certificate do you want to uh revoke the existing one and use that or do you mm-hmm. want to copy it over and it was whenever you got that message it, it just turned out to be a big mess mm-hmm. uh, and there was always there's that fix issues button there that sometimes do could don't fix things
3: it. don't press it
2: no sometimes it works sometimes yeah, it, it doesn't works. work uh, and it's you know it's hard to know when it's going to work yeah. uh, but but even if it does work it's going to mess up your settings somewhere so mm-hmm. you have to go back in and make sure that they're set right well that's all gone now so by relaxing the need for a single developer certificate for a single account it's it's just gotten rid of that problem because you you as a developer can have multiple certificates one for each machine and xcode will sort that all out for you uh so there you never have any of those issues it it will it will give you a certificate it will uh, update your provisioning profiles it will it will copy them uh, and that even that fix issues button is just completely gone in the new version of Xcode, which is great. So there's now two modes of provisioning or, or of automatic provisioning. There's fully automatic, where you just set things in your capabilities tab and Xcode automatically generates all the, the provision profiles for whatever you want for whatever you've set, and it, and it just works. Uh, the other way is custom, which sort of is how it worked before, uh, where if you but before, if you set something in your capabilities, it would go into your developer portal and make the changes up there, potentially overriding things that you had there, potentially invalidating certificates, and, and it could just be a big mess. Now, if you use your custom settings, it won't touch your settings in the developer portal. It will only change your local settings. So you're free to do whatever you want, and it won't screw everyone else on your team up, and it won't cause all sorts of provisioning meltdowns. So, I was pretty excited by by that uh, talk when I saw that' because I've spent way too many hours uh yeah diagnosing roughly. and debugging yeah. provisioning yeah. profiles so this should be great,
3: yeah, I was doing that this week actually uh I had to push up a um we did i did a proof of concept app for one of my clients in months ago, and you know it it's expired on on uh on testlight and she wanted to have a, an update of it so i just you know foolishly opened xcode 7 and said okay just you know iterated the version number and then said submit it to the app store and i got these all uh-huh. these weird crazy errors about provisioning and there's no you know there's no such app with that name on on because of the new uh, um uh, bundle identifier on an xcode 7 requirement so i fortunately i still had xcode 6 so I just, after like banging my head for an hour i went back to uh, Xcode 6 and just and opened it up and just it submitted it right away right so mm-hmm. uh, some weirdness there and and like you said uh, I I know of developers who may or may not have uh, you know revoked an entire enterprise certificate at one point in the past oh
2: yeah I've heard about <laughs> that kind of thing happening yes yes oh and one more interesting thing is it, it, it actually may have been like this for a while and it, I was never quite clear on exactly what the rules are But now, when you archive, you use a developer profile to archive.
3: Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah,
2: which I think is new because it was always you need a distribution profile. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So now, what they're saying you you should do is use a developer profile and let Xcode or the application uploader swap in the the distribution profile for you.
3: Ah, yeah. That explains a lot. It does. Hmm. And Jaime's posted a link.
1: Yes, so uh, with some irony, there actually is a plugin for Alcatraz <laughs> called Fix Code that fixes the Fix Issue button by preventing you from doing anything. I see so really. you can have your team make sure that like the junior intern doesn't mess up something yep. uh, like mm. that. Mm. Uh, and, and of course, that's the sort of thing that uh, is not supported through Xcode extensions at least yet.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and this is the, exactly the sort of thing that makes me scared to death of Alcatraz. Anything that can go and hack resources inside of another app. This is like serious, badass code injection, right? Do not want. Is it or is it not? Well, we're going to be having that in the future. Oh, like it's okay if it's officially sanctioned, right?
3: Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I was of the same frame of mind as you were when I was working solo. I didn't really, I didn't, you know, it wasn't a big deal for me to... You know, I was the only coder, so I knew how the code was being formatted. For instance, in the case of the Clang extension, right, a Clang formatter. Um, but yeah, now that I'm on a big team, it's like we—it just—it's Alcatraz is what somebody on the team decided months before I, or years before I joined the team, and there you go. And and it hasn't broken things. I know lots of people who use Alcatraz extensions all the time. So good for them. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's see. There's an improved logging system that will let you have. Uh, various levels so uh, i think most people end up using something like coco lumberjack or some equivalent to do this sort of thing you like right. you know error warning info debug trace um they also added uh live streaming of that and filtering so it just makes it a whole lot nicer to see things whipping by on the window and, and understanding what's happening with your app in, in real time and apparently there's some privacy aspect to it where i think it doesn't log certain things or doesn't log at certain levels i'm like to the actual real device uh i haven't seen the session on that yet so i don't know the details
3: mm. now we have been talking about this little project that apple's been working on and they open sourced it a little while ago um called swift 3 and they've obviously there a lot of emphasis on it at, the, at this conference and and even like the, the like the migrator tool that you asked for aaron is there but it gives you two choices now you can go directly to t- 2.3 or you can
0: go to 3.0 um in terms of what swift you want to upgrade your project to and notably swift 2.3 is a new version of swift but uh it is essentially 2.2 compiled for xcode 8 right Uh, so when you choose that option what you're basically saying is keep my swift at the same version right right um i had the opportunity to run this updater on a uh little bit of code that i had uh in a project i'm working on right now Mm -hmm. it uh it did a decent job it didn't do everything though and there's still work to be done after the migration is complete um apple session on uh that uh, on swift 3 Mm -hmm. uh covers some of those issues um as things that it does not do and the opportunities it provides for uh taking your your code from automatically migrated to truly uh, to use the word that they use a lot this week, "swifty," um, <laughs> although I prefer the term "swift like." Mm. <laughs> Swifty kind of reminds me of Googly, and I hate them Cringe, both. Right? Yeah. They should all die with die under fire. <laughs> not a fan. Can you talk a little bit more detail? So, when you say
1: it, it's not done, like does your is your code compiled and run at the very least? No, it did
0: not. It did not. No, nope. Yeah. I had I had errors and it has trouble I with frameworks failed. too. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that, that that's an important distinction because I wasn't sure if it was like oh it, it migrates it runs but it's not in like the latest syntax uh like style for things um but it sounds like there's like there's still some things that it doesn't do. Like uh, I would hope at the very least it does the translation of the uh the framework's pieces of like um what is it, like uh, dispatch async and uh, the core graphics pieces that they showed uh, as mm-hmm. examples of mm-hmm. shortening them to make them Uh, more Swift-like and less, you know, wordy Objective-C style?
0: Yeah. The answer is no. And so uh, I had a... I I ran the Migrator, and then afterwards I had some build errors. Mm -hmm. And one of them uh, was uh, an NSString method, string by trimming characters in string. That was still laid out fully uh, in Swift 2.2 style. And I had to manually change that to string whatever my variable was dot trimming characters wait so um, did it do did
1: it do the translation for other types of yes, things okay did. so it just so missed that, that one yeah so that might be just like a bug not I'm like sure
0: it was yeah okay okay Good. yeah uh i complained on twitter like uh you know <laughs> i wasn't complaining i was just like i got it done i converted my app um and i heard back from uh, a fellow at apple that follows me and he asked me to submit mm-hmm. uh, a radar uh which i did uh so basically i supplied the um, the pre migration version of the app, the post migration version of the app, and a, a list of the things that it missed. Uh, and that's a radar so that they can. And the team, you know, they're actively looking for deficiencies in the migrator tool so that hopefully by the time Swift 3 is official and launched, uh, they'll have all of these things ironed out. Yeah, it's an app I've been working on for about a month now. Okay. Um, on my own. And. Uh it's not it's not a huge app by any stretch. It's a Mac app mm-hmm. and uh written in 2.2. 2. So when uh this came out, I upgraded to uh, Xcode 8 and uh migrated to Swift 3 uh. and this is what happened. Uh all in all though, it was uh it was a fairly painless process yeah. uh migrating to Swift 3. Uh but for a larger app, uh it, I can imagine it being uh, quite difficult. Uh because well. clearly the migrator is not going to do it all. Right, so one other thing, just before we we jump into picks, um,
3: we've talked about this on the show before, and and that is um, frameworks written in Swift. And I think in the what's new in Swift talk, they talked about Mission Control and some other thing which I, I missed on the doc. The doc. The, dock. the dock itself, yeah, are are now fully Swift, I believe two hundred line two hundred thousand lines of code. Um, and also, JP Samar, who we talked about when he was talking at NS North last year, um, he uh, wrote some pieces on SourceKit uh, when it first came out. And he's uh, posted uh, a thing on Twitter um, that SourceKit itself has been rewritten completely in Swift as well. But it's, it's interesting to see that we're starting to see, as we've been sort of wondering, that uh, some Apple major frameworks are starting to come over to being written in Swift. Yep. Yep.
0: Uh, let's go around the table as we usually do and see if anyone has any picks. Aaron, do you have a pick? No, I don't have a pick. Tim, do you got a pick?
3: <laughs> I do have a pick. And my pick is something I've been talking about for a long, long time, and that is the ability to write code on my iPad. And I've had that with DryGen and a few other things, but as we saw on the uh, in the keynote and in some sessions, uh, Swift Playgrounds has now come to the iPad. So you can actually write Swift um, and it's it's really nice. Um, I wrote a quick uh, little app the other day, and I have refactored it, Mark. By the way. Um, oh, good. <laughs> but I was just playing around with it one night, and and uh, after after I, I updated my iPad to uh, the 10.1 beta or ten
0: is it 10.1? 10.0. Uh,
3: 10.0. Um, it's it, the as it, just overall the experience on the on it's quite different from um, your uh, iOS uh, nine, um, but. Interesting. But the I really, really, really love this Swift Playground tool um, because for a lot of different reasons. And, and I'm not playing like I, I, a lot of emphasis was put on it for teaching kids how to write code, right? That seemed to be the sort of thing. It seemed to be like an Omnicode killer app, which we were talking about last week, or I was talking about last week. But just even for working things out, um, what I really like about the way they've done this, because how do you do code completion on an iPad is one of the first challenges. And they have this uh, shortcut bar that appears above the keyboard. And as you start to type in something, like if you start working, if you declare a, like a, a, a layer, a CA layer, for instance, um, and it, it automatically, and you give it a you know property name or whatever, um, as you start typing it out, make it a var or let, um, next time you go to start typing the word, it actually becomes one of the words that pops in there automatically. And so if you choose that, that uh, just tap on it to choose it, inserts it into the code, and then you put a period, and then you start adding one of the properties that may belong to that object, then then the the Hinter, if you will, um, presents you choices that you can use there. So if you, for instance, if you, if you have like a layer position or layer background color, it'll automatically put those in. So you don't have to go through typing them all out and just, you know, it's just see it, tap it, away you go. Um being able to access the uh, what you would normally hold the shift key down to get to certain things like the full colon and, and, and the semicolon key, dragging down to insert it. Like you put your finger on the key and you just swipe down and it automatically picks the the upper character and pops that in. That's really nice and handy. And um like if you type something like CGREC or CG point, it'll automatically suggest when you put the first parenthesis in there, you know, X colon, Y colon, you know, uh width and height colon and format it for you. So it's really fast to be able to, to use the keyboard to type the code in and then it's a fully it's got a full REPL in here and you can uh you know can immediately play your code. Um, if you make a mistake in your code, it, it's got this little bubble that appears beside the code, and there is a sort of a fix it hint kind of mechanism built in. And you can also you can import Objective C in. You can import Playground. You can import Foundation, UI UIKit. Um, it's really co- really kind of well thought out the little app, and you know it's kind of my favorite tool right now.
2: So in the in the presentation where they talked about it, it, it was really focused towards kids and education.
3: Yeah, 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 exactly. it, it,
2: it, do you get the feel when you're using it? Is it, is it really limited to that or is it a real full no, it, development environment? No, it's,
3: it's fully, like, yeah, like, like I said, it's, it's a full, uh, you get, you know, I'm looking at it in landscape mode right now and, and I can just type code as I normally would. And, you know, on, in the playgrounds on the Mac, you've got the little sidebar that shows up, which shows you as you're doing things. You don't have that kind of, it doesn't, there's the live updates like that does, but it does have a run code, run my code button at the bottom. And then it opens up a side pane. So it's like a split view, if you will. Um, and you can see the result of your your program running on the one side. It also has, as you're typing things in, I shouldn't say it doesn't have the little, the little hinting, but these little um, sort of bugs, if you want to call them, appear beside um, beside your code, and you can tap on them and it'll and it'll sort of uh, uh, re- create like what they call a viewer, which shows you um, like a visual uh, representation of what your code sample is doing at that point in the program. You know what I mean? Like, you know, in, in Playgrounds, they have that sort of sidebar, which mm-hmm. shows you, like yeah. if you do a graph or whatever, it shows you the graph. Well, you can pop in a little window, which shows you, like, for instance, I just created a um, a, a view here of a certain, you know, 100, 100 by 50, and then I, you know, made it light gray. And so if I tap on the the button beside the light gray, it shows me a little box that's light gray, and it's 50 by 100
0: uh, square, right? Um, I was wondering about uh, how robust you can make an app, and it's sort of on the same line as what Mark was asking about, Um, you know, at the focus on kids was, like, right in your face. Yeah, <laughs> no, presentation. yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not at all clear without running it what it's, you know, how it actually works. Um, give me an example, like, say, uh, compare it to a playground in Xcode. Um, is, it, is there, like, a way that you can create, like, an actual full-featured application with it? Or yeah. is it just, like, a, a code sketch pad sort of thing? Uh,
3: it, it, yeah, you can. I mean, if you look at, if you go to the MGJC podcast um uh, Twitter account. I posted a picture of of the, the the iPad that I took snapshot a screenshot of the iPad, and you can see that I've baited, made, basically made four four CA layers and applied shadow effect, and uh, you know put spacing in them. Um, I'm working right now on trying to get the fonts to say MTJC nudge nudge. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's actually quite quite good, and there's been some good examples um, on of people. Erica Sedune is playing around with it right now. Um, so she, you can see some of her code, code examples online as well. And there's a, few, a number of people have tweeted, you know, not just your, not, not kids stuff kind of coding. Right. So, um, I really haven't gone like, you know, more than like, I uh, maybe 300 lines of code in here maybe, but, uh, and I haven't really okay, done so any, I haven't l- done any heavy lifting of like heavy concepts or, you know, recursive loops
0: and stuff like that, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I'm, this is actually a great example. The screenshot that you posted in your Twitter account today. Um, if you wanted to add another class, for example, mm-hmm. uh, like I see a plus button up there, could you add another file and make it part of the same project and include it? Uh, the plus it?
3: button is for creating, um, getting, accessing tools like um, let var loops repeats switches functions. Oh, okay, so put a function file. in there, right? Enums. Oh well, yes, no, you're right. There's a class button there. I could add another class. But it also gives you
0: access to images and things like that that you want to maybe want to import, right? I guess I'm trying to get at because, you know, like I'm trapped in a way of thinking, right? Yeah. Um, and so an application consists of multiple files that are organized yeah, in a yeah. file hierarchy yeah, of some sure. kind. Does that concept exist at all in this?
3: Yeah. So so it does have does have classes. Uh, you can add classes, and enums, and protocols and all that kind of stuff. Um, and also has a files button here, which I haven't really tried yet. But I guess I uh, suppose if you had another, I only have one playground in here
0: right now, but I'm sure if you had another one, you could probably import stuff or. Uh... Well, that's that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, like you could have, of course, someone could write a single Swift file called application.swift yeah. and have every class and every struct and every enum and every file and every function all in a single file. Mm-hmm. Only a fool would do that i'm asking is there a way to break all that stuff out into separate documents within this playground application
3: well at this point in time i don't know but i I know, okay. but i also haven't downloaded any, any of the samples that are on the app store like it, it also seems to be sort of a i think there's going to be a, a a we were sort of uh spitballing this the other day on one of our chats about whether we'll be able to produce playgrounds for people to download like lessons and that kind of stuff right um but uh, I think I think to answer your question, I, I have a feeling that the answer is yes, Aaron, to your question to be able to like to be able to create like, you know, quite complex things because because playgrounds in on on the Mac do support multiple pages and, and having classes and loading in external files and stuff like that. I mean, the fact that I can load in frameworks tells me, yes, yeah, the
0: answer must be true. Right. OK, cool. I mean, it's very exciting. Um you have got obviously you've got iOS ten running on your iPad now. I do to, to have this. How ha- is it stable? Does it, do things work? <laughs>
3: it's a bit. You know, like I yeah. find. I find when I a couple of times if I like when I was trying to go between my, this playground and some some documentation I was looking at. You know, you tap the uh, the home button twice to get the, the I don't know what you call it with a view where you got all multitask the multitask view, multitask view. Yeah, and um, sometimes I found that kind of gets locked up. And at one point I had to restart I restart the iPad, uh, force, force reboot it. Um, but yeah, I've looked at the photos app took a while to sort of recatalog my photos, uh, messages and Mark and I were playing around with messages the other day. And there's a couple of people in, in, uh, California right now, um, in, in San Jose, in San Francisco at WWDC who I was, we were chatting back and forth um cuz they've also updated their devices as well and we and one of them we tried to cuz there is a way to um export a playground like i can create a playground and send it to you in a in a as an attachment to something right and theoretically you should be able to open it in playgrounds that support seems to be not quite ready for prime time yet so cuz i did try and send this playground to somebody else and they couldn't open it
0: yeah.
3: um but yeah i mean I can't wait to try this <laughs> yeah it's interesting it, it, um i haven't found out because t- today extensions have kind of gone a bit wonky on here too right because now to get to today extensions you swipe to the left as you used to do for like you would do for dashboard on on the mac or i think we in early yeah this the, the search pane comes up now right so your things that would normally be in t- today extensions are over there um and notifications still pull pull down from the top and they're it's again. It's another one of these funny things where I've got all this real estate on the uh, on the device. You know, I've got my uh, iPad Pro in front of me, twelve point nine inch, right? And the notifications are a little stripped down the middle, even even thinner than the Twitter app, I may for instance, right? Yeah, uh, drives me crazy. Yeah, so like you know, it's all you've got all this space to work with, and they give you a little strip of information down the middle. Let's hope for next year. News looks pretty cool. I showed Mark a, a shot of the News app. It looks, you know, it looks, it's very similar. Is that Flipboard? Remember the Flipboard app that um, those guys who left Apple yep. came up with? Um
0: yep. It looks similar to that. Um,
3: yeah, so it's kind of Okay, it's, well, it's my cool. question
0: was really, is, is it stable? Can I run it and not have... Like all everything, crap out on me.
3: Xcode ten, in, I mean, sorry, iOS ten in particular. You mean?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I was, the, the reason I asked the question is I want to run Swift playgrounds on my iPad.
3: Yeah, you know what? Um, no, the answer is no. No, I don't. No, I don't think. So. I don't think the answer is no. I think the answer is the answer is I've had a couple of issues, but so far it's been pretty good. So, all right, I might wait
0: for another beta. I don't know.
3: It's pretty cool playing for playgrounds on iOS on the iPad.
0: Hmm all right uh thumbs up do, from me okay thumbs up excellent um Jaime, you got a pick or two you got two i picks. do i have i uh, have two quick.
1: so pick uh alpha is the <laughs> new brand spanking new api reference that apple Ooh. has put together at uh, developer.apple.com slash reference so it nice. is um sort of a, a recollection of all that content and it's it's super nice yeah. not only is it visually appealing to get through it's it, which makes it you know uh, quite a bit easier to read through but it's it's put together quite well hmm. so imagine looking at like photos okay so now uh, you see sort of the overview of what's going on with ios and os 10 uh, and even TVOS. and on the right hand side you can switch between swift and objective c for your your language preferences you can see the uh, SDKs that this is included in. You can see very quickly the overview, the symbols, and the, the symbols themselves are starting to get filled in. You can see stuff like uh, structures. I'm going to choose one here arbitrarily: uh, PH Live Photo Editing option, which is beta tagged, and uh, that one has not that much in it. And I assume that's because they're going to be filling this in rather soon. But it, it's it's real nice to see. Uh, let's see a different one: PH Live Photo Editing context. It gives you the, uh, the nice overview for live photos uh, that this is related to and um, really quick and easy to see um, a much nicer overview. So I, I felt like the previous documentation format was just a little too collapsed and I would miss things. Now in this one, I can very clearly see where all the constants what are all the different methods? And if I'm really interested in, okay, what does uh, save live photo 2 with completion handler do? I'm like, uh-huh. oh, okay. I can see the parameters. I can see the discussion related to that. A whole lot easier to, to review and look at. So I'm I'm very impressed with this. And uh, could have sworn I saw people on Twitter talking about the fact that this is uh, reactive under the covers. So I think they're using uh, React.js for this. I, I've not checked this myself don't take my word for it. It really doesn't matter to you uh, unless you happen to be a web developer and you're interested in looking at this. Uh, As developers for the iOS platforms or the the Apple platforms, this is real nice. I suggest everybody go take a look. And eventually you will. So kind of a weird pick, but I say go take a look at it uh, sooner rather than later. Oh, quick question. you going to use this instead of Dash? That's a good question. When you import those docs into Dash, does it maintain the formatting? I think so. Yeah. I haven't been able to tell yet. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't see why it wouldn't include this. And uh I, an episode or two ago I mentioned that uh, Jazzy, the documentation generation tool from Realm, um generated a uh a view that looks like well, now the old mm-hmm. Apple documentation. So mm-hmm. hopefully there's a pull request out there that updates to the uh the latest and greatest look and feel. Could be somebody out there that's a listener. Uh, pick beta is Something new from the uh, the app review guidelines, folks, and that is app review guidelines: the comic book. So you've seen people. um, This is the worst. (laughs) This is so the the basic concept here is you've got something that's um, the comic book format, uh, and it uh, I've not read through the entirety. I've kind of just flipped through it, but you can imagine there's different art styles. Uh, One section that starts out is in a. like a modernized Jack Kirby-esque, you know, old-school Marvel, maybe like an old-school DC style of, of art. And in this first sequence, they're giving all of the text for the app review guidelines. Um, in this case, I'm looking at one where a uh, giant space monster is uh, is eating a planet or asteroid or something, and he's uh, choking. So on this particular slide I'm looking at, the heroine has decided to give him the uh, sort of space Heimlich maneuver by zooming off and flying right into his gut, helping him expel the things that were the rocks that were caught in his throat. And it says uh, right here as he's spitting out the uh, the green gooey rocks that uh, 1.4 apps may only display DUI checkpoints that are enforced, sorry, published by law enforcement agencies and should never encourage drunk driving or other reckless behaviors, such as excessive speed.
3: What?
1: Yeah, yeah. pretty much. That's, so, that's so the text much has the...
2: absolutely nothing to do with the, with the art.
1: Right? Yeah. Man, yeah. It's, it's more okay. like, like entertaining. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried reading through like seriously reading through the app review guidelines, yeah, sort yeah. of jumping around and skimming. Like they're, they're really dense. It's like reading a dictionary. Um, hopefully this makes it a little bit more entertaining. Are we supposed to take them seriously with this?
0: It's legit. It's a legit document. It's got the information from the review guidelines. Um, it's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Something to brighten your day. I guarantee you're going to have to read this. You're
1: going to have to read this content eventually. And why not have like, uh, school kids fighting each other with Pokemon style creatures while you're doing so.
0: Crazy. that's just your like opinion man <laughs> but did you know 2.3b if your
1: app includes in-app purchases make sure your app description, screenshots and previews clearly indicate whether any feature items levels, subscriptions, etc. require additional purchases and that is with a um, I don't know it's like a Godzilla style kaiju yeah. that this kid is imagining, it's a big blue one um, fighting another one so sure, why not I, I thought it was worth picking up because it's, uh, uh, it's so unusual. It's like somebody out there who had previously uh, done, um, what was it? Like the, the iTunes, um, end user license agreement or something that was like done to some manga style comic book of, uh, Steve jobs going on some sort of trip or something.
3: Oh, really? It's crazy. Somebody, yeah. Somebody actually did that? Did that?
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll see if I, will see if I can find that. Maybe we can also link to that one.
2: They stole their idea. What do you got Mark? So my pick is actually one of the sessions from today uh and I'm bringing it up because it didn't really fit into anything that we talked about earlier because it's not really associated with one particular platform uh, but it's I thought it was pretty interesting, and I think it's one of the types of talks that people will j- A lot of people will kind of skip it you know and in and, and go do something else instead uh but it's the one on on optimizing app startup time.
0: Mm. Mm,
2: and and I found it to be a real, really interesting session. It was pretty short, actually, uh, but it was split into two pieces. The first half of it was pretty theoretical, and they actually tell you that up front, that there's a lot of just theory here about what's going on. Second half was more practical. But the theoretical part was on a fairly low-level, detailed level, uh what actually happens when your app launches in terms of loading pages of memory and you know marking pages of memory as clean or dirty depending on whether they've been written to or or whether they could be reused and things like that. Uh, and then going into what are some of the things on a low level that that will actually take your app take a long to make your app take a long time to load and and, and the biggest thing really is is it's loading dynamic libraries. All the frameworks are are dynamic libraries. And it has to load them and essentially recursively load them all, because some libraries may refer to other libraries, may refer to other libraries. Then once it once it gets them all in, it has to go and do essentially a mapping of all the classes in there and then run a, a either a plus load or a plus initialize the, the class methods on each one. And so if you have a lot of dynamic libraries with a lot of classes uh, or if your app in general has a lot of classes, then it can slow things down. And in fact, they, they made a point that I found really interesting. I, I had no idea that this was true, that we know that you know, there are certain programming styles that, that really focus on very small classes and many, many small classes. Uh, and in fact, you know, Facebook is famous for having some enormous number of classes in, in their app.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it turns out that because you have to run these methods, these initialized methods on every single class, that that can actually slow down the launch of your app. That can actually hurt the performance of your app by having huge a huge number of small classes. Which I found that very interesting. I, wow. I had never heard that before, but mm. but they they made that claim definitively. Uh, now, actually, their solution, they, well, they have two solutions, and they're both kind of tongue-in-cheek. Cheek. One is don't do that. Uh, don't don't have so many classes. You know, have have slightly bigger but smaller classes. Don't use hundreds and hundreds of dynamic libraries. They they recommended you know maybe about six is a is a good number of your own libraries. Uh, even if you have to merge your own dynamic libraries together to to make a, a smaller number of them. And then the the last answer was use Swift. <sighs> because swift doesn't use classes as much they use structs you don't have to run all these initialized statements they could that can be deferred and so actually that can that can increase the speed by quite a bit and i actually kind of wonder if that's the root of they didn't say this but i'm just kind of conjecturing if that's the root of why swift is quoted as being much faster than objective c because of this one thing it it may very well be Hmm. but anyway it it was an interesting talk uh you know, it's 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 not necessarily the kind of talk that that it's going to change your day to day work habits or workflows or it, you know, there's not like a switch that you can set in your app that's, that adds a new feature or something. It's just a a, a good background piece of information on, on how some of the stuff really works that generally you don't you don't normally think about, uh, and uh, and uh, some you know gives you more insight on on, on how the, the hardware works in the platform. So that's my pick. Cool. That's uh, that's definitely good stuff to know. Yep. Yeah, and it was you know, well present well presented as well. So those are. It's always good when the when the talks are when the presenters are, are uh, clear and know what they're talking about.
3: All right. Okay. That's it. Did you watch the LM, LLVM session?
2: No, I didn't get a chance to watch that one. No.
3: Oh. Okay. Yeah.
2: I did watch the security one, the introduction to security, which I also thought was good.
3: mm Hmm. Yeah, I tried to watch the LLVM, but I really don't know that I was following what they were saying, right?
2: Yeah, some of those you have to watch it twice to yeah, once to get the the overall gestalt, and then
3: yeah, it's funny, you know, it's control. funny. You know, I was thinking about that too because because uh, I, one 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 sort of minor complaint about the 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 uh, WWC on the on the phone is it's a little hard to find some of the videos, and I was started I started watching the What's New in Swift this morning, which was you know before I. I Went to work and then, so I wanted to catch up with it on the way home, and so I basically I opened it up and I did a quick search for what's new in Swift and just tapped on the video and skipped ahead to like six minutes because that's where I kind of recall I was, and I watched like a good ten minutes of it and I went, you know, this really makes a whole lot of sense. and then I realized I was watching the 2015 video. Yeah, <laughs> but but the, the funny thing about it was when I watched it in 2015, I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> progress. Definitely, a good sign. It, yeah, definitely, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, with all that error, the new error handling and and uh, some of the new optimizations, stuff like that. It's kind of cool. Nice to know I can understand it now. So I guess that's it for the week. And so Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? Go to Twitter at @AaronVe, Aaron A A R O N V E G H. And Jaime, if people want to find
1: you on the interwebs, on Twitter as at Dev of the hair. You want to spell that? D E V W I T H. Um, T H E, crazy.
3: H A I R. Sorry, I had to really think about that. I don't normally spell it out loud. Sorry. And Mark, if people want to find you, uh, email
2: me at markrsmapsoft.com.
3: And I missed it last week, but my name is Tim Mitra. I am T I M M I T R A on Twitter. And I guess we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye bye. 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 Bye.
0: You've just experienced the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you'll find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items that we talk about on the show, picks for the episode, as well as links to the apps on the App
1: Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website and write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press the Recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter at @mtjc_podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can pledge any amount
0: on patreon.com/mtjc. Thanks again for listening.
1: Oh, we didn't oh wait! I, I found the uh, I found that comic. It's the iTunes terms and conditions. The graphic novel, as drawn by R. Sikoriak. I'll put this in the the chat.
3: Yeah, it's funny that Apple would sort of steal his idea, right? So, well, was that comic book actually
2: made by Apple? I got the impression it was made by some third party who makes comic books.
3: And I uh, believe it is
1: done by uh, a third party, but yeah. it's linked from the App Store review uh, page.
3: Yeah, yeah, they talked about they talked about it at the. They did talk about it, yeah. At the, well, but at, it, no, at the end of the at the end of the, the design awards, right, right. But it's it's not
2: clear whose idea it was originally, right? Did these guys approach Apple and say, "Hey, look at this thing we did," mm-hmm. and Apple said, "Hey, this is awesome. We'll talk about it," you know? And they did it purely as a promotional thing, right, to, to promote themselves, or did Apple approach them and pay them to do
3: the thing? I oh, wonder. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, who no, knows? that's a good question. Yeah.